the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. How is everybody today? Welcome to our show, my friends, on this Saturday, January the 20th, 2024. We've got a packed show for you, as usual, my friends. Got a lot of information that we want to share with you about the border crisis, about illegal immigration, about what is going on with the politics in Washington, D.C., as well as right here locally, my friends. So uh, let me tell you real quick who our guests are are. Uh, we've got some great ones, as usual. First of all, we've got Mr. Mark Morgan, who is the former commissioner for uh, Customs and Border Protection under the Trump administration. Then we've got Mr. Chris Hayek, uh, who is with the uh, Immigration and Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Mark is going to be talking to us about uh, politics to address the border crisis, the heavy politics that are going on in Washington, D.C. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. And Chris is going to be telling us about the uh, the uh, important cases that are being fought right now, the legal cases that are being fought uh, to uh, address the issue of the border and uh, protect the citizens of, of Texas as well as the United States. Then we've got uh, Mr. Randy Clark, who is a reporter with Breitbart. He's a regular guest. He's going to be reporting on what is happening at the border, my friends. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. And then finally, we've got uh, Mr. Hugo Chavez Rey. He is a very good friend of mine. He is a uh, host of Hispanic Patriot podcast out of Denver. And uh, Ugo is going to be talking to us. We're going to be chatting with Ugo about the uh, Hispanic vote. It is an election, and we wanted to chat with him about what is happening in, uh, with the Hispanic vote. So uh, you're going to want to hear our guests. So uh, let me also, um, at this point, thank our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. They are the ones that pay the bill for the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. FAIR is the foremost organization in Washington, D.C., in the nation that addresses the issue of the border crisis and illegal immigration. They are the ones that are at the forefront, my friends. Please support them. Please uh, go to fairus.org, fairus.org, and uh, uh, look at at, uh, the website. So without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Mr. Mark Morgan. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Mark Morgan, the former uh, commissioner for Customs and Border Protection under Trump. And uh, he's now a senior fellow with uh, FAIR, our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. wanted to get him on because uh, we want to get an update of what is happening in Washington with regards to negotiations Uh, on the border crisis, as we are all experiencing it here. Mark, thank you once again for taking time to be with us, buddy. George, thanks for having me. All right, so tell us, what is the latest? Where are we on uh, any type of uh, action to address the border crisis? Yeah, I I tell you, to some degree, George, it's a little bit all over the place. So let's talk about, so we have two chambers, the United States Congress, uh, the House and the Senate, obviously. So the, the House right now, they're saying all the right things, and they're holding the line. Again, the, 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 about seven, seven and a half months ago, remember, they passed uh, the, the Border Security Act, we called HR2. Um, it's the strongest piece of border security legislation that's ever been passed. It, it literally 
outlines the pathway to success with respect to uh, putting forth the policy change that we need to stop the chaos and the lawless at a border. On the Senate side, all but one Republican senator voted for it. Well, what we have now on the Senate side is what we're hearing is negotiations that are really uh, moving towards watering down HR2. Now, the frustrating part is they're, they're doing this behind closed doors. So we're, we're only able to respond to what's being leaked and what's being reported by the media. You know, so Senator Langford and others are saying, hey, well, don't believe necessarily everything you're hearing. But yet they have yet to come out publicly and say what are those key elements of the negotiations they're working on. So that, that's part of the frustration. And, and, George, the other part of my frustration, and you and I talked about it, think about this. While, while we have Mark Green, Chairman Mark Green of the House Homeland Security on the House side, began impeachment proceedings of Secretary Mayorkas last week, literally impeaching him for his full dereliction of duty, you have Senator Lankford, with all due respect, that's actually – working with Secretary Mayorkas and asking him and the Biden administration for their advice and counsel on how to address the crisis that they ignited. I mean, that's literally like like asking the arsonist to, to help you with the strategy of putting out the fires, right? So, so it's very frustrating. Yes. And, and one last thing, one last thing is that a couple of things we're hearing is very important. Like one is the, uh, the 5,000 a day limit. Right. So they're actually part of what they're negotiating. What we're being told is, is that they're going to accept 5,000 illegal aliens a, a day, George. And, and part of their rationale is, well, Mark, you know, we're, we're trying to stop the 10,000 a day. Well, you know, you look, you've been doing this for a very long time. You know, 5,000 a day is still catastrophic. That's still, quote, broken arrow. It still overwhelms our system. The difference between 5,000 and 10,000 is just a degree of insanity and lawlessness. Remember, it was Secretary Jay Johnson under the Biden administration, uh, I mean, Obama administration, that said a 1,000 is a bad day, yet we're here and they're negotiating the threshold as acceptability, 5,000. It, it just can't happen. It's, it really is insane that they would even consider, you know, any uh, illegal aliens. I mean, let alone 5,000. Uh, the, uh, the, the enforcement aspects of it, are, are they talking at all about uh, uh, doing any type of enforcement? So yes and no. Uh, again, there some of, some of what has been reported is good. Like like they're talking about uh, some form of asylum reform, especially on the credible fear, because we know that's no standard at all. You could just say the magic words and you pass. Uh, they're trying to limit the appeals process. Those things. You know, if our, if if that is part of the deal, it's good. But I'll go back to what Speaker Johnson said: is that is that you know HR two that the key elements of HR two. It's not like picking food uh, items off a food menu. I mean, they're, they're interconnected. So if you do one and not the other, it's still not going to result in success. For example, if they allow five thousand a day as the threshold before quote the government that they're going to shut down the border, which again we don't even know what that means, right? We we, we still has not been uh, explained what it means that they're going to shut down the, the, the border and even how they're going to do it. But 5,000 a day, again, that's that's just unacceptable. If you don't end catch and release, you know, uh, George, you know this very well, that the crisis will never stop. And we know the cartels, they'll just adjust their tactics. They'll just start pushing a, a, across every day 4,999 to stay under the 5,000 threshold and nothing changes. Meanwhile, they're going to continue to release individuals and United States every single day. It just doesn't make sense. You've got to do a combination of either a Remain in Mexico type program where you're expelling them while they're going through the asylum process, or you detain them. You cannot release. If you release people that enter illegally, never be heard from again, they will keep coming. It's common sense. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. How about the issue of um, uh, once they are in uh, and they don't qualify, uh, or they uh, commit a crime or something of the nature, is uh, ICE going to be allowed uh, immigration and customs enforcement? Are they going to be allowed to pick people up or anything of the nature? Is that ever going to come back? We're not hearing anything on that other than the fact that there has been some negotiation about increasing of detention beds. But again, you can increase the detention beds, but if this administration doesn't use them, 
It's worthless. Exactly. And that's the other thing, too. We have to be very careful about this. This, this administration has, has – we've shown again and again to refuse to enforce the law. And they, they also violate the law. They ever, I mean they've done that since day one of this administration. So now we're going to – let's say we increase detention beds. But like you said, does that mean that, that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is going to lift his restrictions on ICE? Remember, at the stroke of Secretary Marcus's pen, he has neutered ICE. He really, they're only allowed to go after people that are either known suspected terrorists or be convicted of an aggravated felon. This is the secretary that said being here illegally is not enough by itself to remove you, although that's the law. And so even if you increase detention beds, to your point, George, if you don't lift the restrictions, what good is that going to do? And the other thing, too, now, and, and look, we, what Senator uh, Lindsey Graham just posted this week he uh, uh, on X is he highlighted one of the most significant issues right now. And this, this administration's complete intentional unlawful use of parole. I mean, he gave the stats since 2014 to last year, FY23. Get this. It went from 4,000 a year to over 800,000 that have been paroled. That's a 20,000% increase. Yes, 20,000% increase. And it shows just how unlawfully this administration is. Instead, they're diverting people that used to illegally enter. They're bringing them to the ports under the guise of parole. It's illegal and it's a shell game. Wow. The, um, uh, the other aspect of it is, is, is the, there, was, uh, there has been talk about an amnesty. Is that going on still? So I, I haven't heard any specifics with respect to that. But, you know, again, I'll give you one example that's very frustrating. And I want, I want to emphasize, we still have not seen any official language yet. So we're commenting on, on just what's being reported, which, again, which is frustrating. I'll go back. HR2 on the House side, that, that was done openly. Uh, they, 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 they talked to, to multiple people, multiple conservative think tanks. They talked to people like Tom Holman and Rodney Scott, the former chief of Border Patrol, and myself. We were an integral part of helping advise and guide, and guide them with respect to, to the Border Security Act. That, that didn't happen uh, with respect to the Senate. And it's just unconscionable. So, so George, there's a lot we don't know. But I'll give you an example. They're, they're saying that, that potentially at 5,000 a day, that's going to be the threshold before some, some action kicks in to secure the border. Well, uh, of those that release, there's talk right now. What we're hearing is, is that they're actually going to expedite them on the way to get work authorization. That, that's just going to increase an incentive. It's actually going to make it worse if, in fact, that's one of the true provisions that they're talking about. Yeah, providing work uh, work permits uh, yeah. for people. I mean, that's, So they're going to release and allow them to work immediately. That's actually going to exasperate the problem, not make it better, if that's true. Oh, that's that that that's insane. That's insane. So I think you know. I I think that the people uh, of America are very very concerned about this border crisis at this point now. Yep. No, George, I think you're right. If you look at most of the polls, I mean, I've seen in several polls, and I mean, it, it ranks from being in the top five to the top three issues right now uh, facing them. In fact, I, I've seen a couple of polls where it was actually number two, uh, just under the economy. I think CB, CBS did a poll a week and a half ago where it said the number two issue for Americans at about 21 percent was the uh, was the border. Wow. And it really, really is. Well, one last question, because um, we recently had a tragedy here at uh, at Eagle Pass where a, a woman and two children drowned, and uh, they are blaming immediately the, uh, the, the governor, the state of Texas, uh, for putting up barbed wire and uh, for having soldiers at the border, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let me ask you this, just very, very honestly. If you see on the other side of a river barbed wire and soldiers, do you think that do you think of that as an invitation to cross? Yeah, exactly, George. That's what makes this this uh, outcry so just so hyperbolic and and just hypocrisy filled. First of all, there, there's a couple of a couple of entities to blame. First, the cartels. The cartels are the ones that are pushing the illegal aliens through areas that they know to be dangerous. Number one. Number two, it's the Biden administration because their policies are the ones that are acting like a beacon for the entire world to come and enter our country illegally. If you want to put blame, that's where the blame goes. And here's where it's, it's just so so filled with hypocrisy. Is where's the mainstream media been the last 36 months you and i talked about this you know this but for everybody listening right now under the biden administration the, the cdp have recovered over 2,000 dead migrants at our borders 
Over 2,000 dead migrants. When was the last time you heard anyone in, in the mainstream media mention that? What about the fact that, that we know that 30% of young women and children are raped or sexually assaulted on their journey up here? And in the past 36 months, there's been over 400,000 unaccompanied minors alone. And let's not forget, we know the for a fact, after individuals are smuggled in the United States, many of them fall victim to trafficking. Yet, we never hear anything from the mainstream media with respect to that. And what's the cause of that? This administration's open border policies, again, that's incentivizing illegal aliens to take the lives in their own hands, conspire with the cartels to illegally enter. Yep. No, no kidding. No kidding. Mark, thank you very much. We're going to let you go. But, folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Mark Morgan, who is uh, the former uh, Customs uh, and Border Protection uh, Commissioner under Trump, and he is now a senior fellow at FAIR. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Mark. You bet, George. Thank you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek, who is uh, with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. I wanted to get him on because he is our expert, my friends, on uh, the legal cases that are impacting uh, the tug of war between the state and uh, the federal government over this whole border crisis issue. So, uh, Chris, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, George. All righty. So can you tell us, give us an update of what is going on in the courts regarding this, like I said, the tug of war uh, between uh, the state of Texas and uh, the, the federal government over the border? Right. Well, the larger picture uh, is that the Biden administration has simply refused to enforce the law and created a border crisis. And, uh, but they want to keep that uh, going. And then they resent uh, and are trying to stop Texas's attempts to enforce the border themselves. And uh, they've, they've, uh, one thing Texas has done is put up floating barriers in the Rio Grande to stop uh, unlawful crossings. And uh, so Biden sued over that, saying that they violate this old law, the uh, Rivers and Harbors, Harbors Appropriations Act, and um, because they are somehow impeding navigation, and they're arguing about that, and uh, we chimed in, my, uh, our group, uh, early, arguing that Texas has the right to do this because the Constitution gives it war powers when it's invaded. It, it can fight a war to stop invaders, and um, that's what it says in the Constitution, and. It's, we argue that it's Texas's decision, and it's alone, whether they've been invaded and what steps they may take to stop the invasion. And the court should uh, not be involved. They should dismiss cases against it because it's a what the courts call a non-justiciable political question. And um, and that issue uh, went up to the Fifth Circuit panel, and it, it held that Texas violated the law and joined it, but it remanded the question of uh, the war powers back down to the district court to do over. And, uh, and cited our brief extensively. and uh, But now Texas has petitioned to the full Fifth Circuit, and the full Fifth Circuit vacated the uh, panel's order and will now consider the injunction which the panel upheld itself. And it looks like it may well uh, vacate the injunction when it uh, issues a decision. Now, so explain, explain to us what, what you mean when you say vacate. What does that phrase mean? Well, it means that that the thing vacated is null and void. It's like it never existed. Ah, gotcha. Okay. And, and um, yeah, so this panel decision is, is now gone, and the, and the decision in in the case about this injunction will be issued by the whole Fifth Circuit Court. Um, you know, normally cases are decided by three judge panels, but the whole court can overrule it. Uh, and, and in other cases, when Texas uh, has put up razor wire to to block on unlawful crossings. And that has been very effective by reducing them by about a third, uh, a third to, to a third of what they were. And, uh, but the feds, the border patrol have been cutting the razor wire to let them in so that they may walk a couple miles to a detention center where they are urged to, uh, turn themselves in. And, uh, they're, they're suing, uh, Texas or Texas is suing them for cutting their razor wire to, to continue this operation and the administration has gone to the Supreme Court saying uh, you know, Texas wanted an injunction in the lower courts, that they've gone to the Supreme Court uh, the feds have, saying that 
Texas is preempted by federal law. Federal law is supreme here, and the feds are supreme. Texas can't interfere in their non-enforcement of the law. And uh, we put a brief in on that to the Supreme Court, uh, to Justice Alito in particular, but he's he would probably refer to the whole court, and he has taken no action yet. But we're waiting for a decision on that. So Texas has an injunction against the feds cutting their razor wire. That's still in place. Well, and the the situation again, this uh, this tug of war. I mean, uh, obviously the fee, the the uh, position of the state of Texas is uh, we have an invasion and we need to protect our citizens. Uh, we need to take some kind of action because the federal government is not doing it. Yet the federal government continues to argue, well, you can't do anything about the border because that's our uh, th- that is our um, jurisdiction. Uh, however, they're not doing anything. So, I mean, uh, how can we logically look at this situation? Right. The Constitution deals with it by having this in, uh, self-defense clause for the states. It's something the states wanted before they would ratify the Constitution. That if they're actually invaded, they can go to war. And that, that's what it says. And, uh, but it's never been invoked before. And so everybody is uh, uh, wondering how to construe it. Uh, what constitutes an invasion? And, and so forth. Does it have to be a foreign government invading or can it be a foreign criminal organization? And in Texas, of course, and we argue that um, it's a... Uh, it doesn't have to be a foreign government because invasion is, has a broader meaning than that. People right. talk about the Viking invasions of England in the Middle Ages. Well, Vikings were basically pirates. They they, they weren't governments, and uh, right. but it's still called an invasion. And, and the cartels are rather similar to, to Vikings, right? Uh, and um, but what we argue too is that it shouldn't be that shouldn't be decided by a court. Courts don't decide war and peace. Courts decide legal cases, but they're ill-equipped and uh, to, to decide war. And uh, in, in fact, it, there's another part of the Constitution that says that the federal government has to protect the states from invasion. And uh, so states in the 90s sued the federal government saying, you're not protecting us from invasion. And, and the court said, uh, you know, by, by illegal aliens at that time when they were... There were far fewer, and, and the court said uh, a couple courts, uh, you know, all, all of them who heard such cases said that uh, it's a non-justiciable political question to be decided by the federal government whether states have been invaded and the federal government has to respond. So we argue by the same token here, where it's the states uh, invoking an invasion clause, it's up to them whether they've been invaded. The, the aid. I mean, ultimately, do you when do, when do you think that this issue is going to be resolved? Um, I mean, uh, obviously, that it, it it has to be resolved as to whether or not the Biden administration has taken upon it, uh, uh, or, or or should I say, has not taken upon its, itself the duty to to protect Texas uh, or any other state. Um, but right, it is. It, it has completely abdicated its duty. In fact, it, its policies work at cross purposes to the purposes of Congress and the immigration laws. Correct. Which, which, which are ultimately, you know, uh, the the overriding purpose is operational control of the border, as they put it, and that means, as they said, uh, zero illegal entries. And and and, and, Biden, and trying to get as many as possible. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, uh, on in the media, there seems to be a constant discussion or debate. Uh, I mean, not when I've been on Telemundo or Univision as to whether or not we can use the word invasion for crying out loud. And I'm not now I'm not sure what else we can call it. Right. I mean, if, whether or not the illegal aliens themselves they are coming from all over the world now. Uh, I mean, uh, Telemundo is kind of the spokespeople for the, for the, the world streaming in now, I guess. And uh, it's not, and uh, whether that's an invasion, whether they're invaders or not, the cartels uh, certainly are. And they're using the flood to uh, profit from. Uh, they, they get paid lots of money but every time they smuggle somebody over. And, uh, and they also, it also hides their operations. So, so to, to get at the cartels and stop their invasion, you have to stop the flood. Correct, correct. Whether it itself was an invasion or not, uh, and I, you know, I think that's, that's Texas's position. <laughs> Semantics. Um, yeah. 
in, in conclusion, uh, before we let you go, um, how much longer do you see this this battle, this legal battle going? Uh, when do you see any kind of uh, resolution by the Supreme Court on, 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 on this? I don't know the Supreme Court will resolve it. I think if the Fifth Circuit reaches the issue, uh, and the most promising avenue for that at present is uh, the um, uh, floating barrier case, uh, I think its determination, well, if they, if they reach the decision that we want, ruling that we want, which is it's non-justiciable, uh, I don't think the Supreme Court would take cert on that. I can't be sure, but usually they wait for a circuit split where the circuit courts disagree with each other about something, and then they take it up to resolve it. And uh, and here they would just be the one court. Um, and there might not be any circuit split on this until after the election. And, uh, you know, if that election goes as, as many hope it will, it, it's um, that might be mooted. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. My friend, thank you very much, as usual, for taking time to be with us and, and explain it. Uh, folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Chris Hayek, who is with the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Chris, we'll be back, uh, I'm sure, checking with you uh, in, in another few weeks and giving us an update uh, or an explanation of what is going on. <laughs> right, sure. All righty. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, known as FAIR, fights to restore common-sense border controls and immigration policies that work for America and its future. America's immigration system and border controls have been decimated by Washington politicians and special interests, undermining the interests and security of the American people. FAIR mobilizes grassroots activists to make sure the voices of the American people are heard in Washington. Find out more about FAIR and what we do by going to FAIRUS.org. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, a uh, reporter for Breitbart down in uh, Eagle Pass, Del Rio area. I wanted to get him on because, um, well, with 30 degree temperature in the day, uh, the uh, situation at the border uh, apparently continues, and I wanted to get him on and tell us what to give us an update of what is going on, particularly with a recent tragedy down there. Randy, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, George? It's a We're, pleasure to be with you. Uh, tell us what it give us an update. What is going on uh, down there, particularly in the standoff between the state and the uh, federal government? Well, we're seeing a particular slowdown from the the month that we had in December, where we were seeing just in Eagle Pass near that Shelby Park, somewhere between three to 5,000 migrants coming in daily, a backlog of 20,000, 23,000 in detention, and our shelter here overrunning and full and mass releases, the complete chaos. And now we've seen a slowdown to about five to 600 apprehensions here, which is significant. Uh, there's still some big groups crossing, but they are much smaller than in the thousands that we were seeing in December. Uh, but this all really started last week when the state decided to seize control of that park, uh, vastly increase the amount of concertina that was laid down, including in that area where we saw the images of just thousands of people sheltered overnight in that open pit that's right next to Bridge 2. I think really everybody saw the imagery across the country of that because it was so significant and so so different than what we'd seen in the past numbers-wise. So that really was the start of the back and forth between the Biden administration and Texas Governor Abbott. Uh, that kind of quickly escalated uh, within a day when we had uh, a migrant family, a mother and two children, an eight and a 10-year-old come over and drown in the Rio Grande. Uh, I know from my sources that Mexican authorities asked the border patrol to come in and, and assist them because they thought they might have others in distress and they wanted to see if there were any survivors. Uh, the border patrol attempted to do that and they were advised that, you know, the military would handle that. 
and as we know, the bodies were recovered in Mexico. So there's been a back and forth and a tit for, for tat between the federal government and the state. Uh, for the most part, at the ground level, uh, I have a, a huge amount of contacts with both the Border Patrol and Texas DPS. Uh, the animosity is not at the ground level. These folks have been working together through three years of this mess. And I think both acknowledge that this is a Joe Biden mess. This is a federal government policy failure. And none of them on the ground dealing with these thousands of people has any control over it. And I think we've seen the images of the Border Patrol cutting the fence and lifting it up. Uh, and and that really is not a huge source of tensions on the ground because they realize at the end of the day, they're going to climb over that fence or they're going to get sick or they're going to climb over the Connex boxes or they're going to be let in one way or the other. And standing them around in freezing water really just heightens the level of urgency to make sure you don't have a hundred people in a hospital that can only handle half that many patients. So it's a delicate balance when you're dealing with 5,000 people coming in every day. And if you haven't done that, like I did for 32 years, you really haven't seen the worst of what can go bad in a mass casualty event. There's only so many ambulances in Eagle Pass, so many air life flights, and very limited medical resources. So you have to treat that with kid gloves. And that looks different when you're, you know, in the northern part of the country and you see that. You, you think that's great tensions between the two organizations. And it's not because they dealt with a humanitarian crisis also. But what we're seeing is the state absolutely frustrated with the amount of entries and uh, and a border patrol that has no, no choice except to cope with them and handle the dispositions the way this administration forces them to. Now, we, we continue to hear <clears throat> that there's a um, – that negotiations in Washington uh, between the Senate and the House for a, uh, a border bill, um, and they're talking about letting in – 5,000 a day. Uh, that seems like a lot to me. Uh, th- that's a disaster because, you know, the, the when you say letting them in, what you're saying is allowing more people who want to come to the United States who will not even be required to pass the first litmus test for a valid asylum claim. It would be very different if we limited this to people who actually ac- qualify for asylum if this was okay there are some people in the world that qualify under our laws for asylum which is a very long drawn out process that's why we had remain in mexico and some other programs like pacer and harp that told these people if you want to come that's fine we'll hear your claim and if you qualify we'll let you in under the previous administration this administration has said it's legal for me to just let you in without you passing even the most rudimentary hurdle showing that you're coming for something other than a valid asylum claim. And so that that alarms me because that's a significant number of people and that will only draw more <clears throat> to become impatient and come with that crowd that's going to get appointments. So very bad idea. Yeah. And it and it totally flies in the face of the laws that are on the books and Congress should should think about that because that law contains their intent. And their intent clearly said, which this administration is ignoring it, is that if you come and the immigration officer believes that at any time in the future, at any time, you will become a public charge, you are inadmissible. That's the law under Section 212, uh, the clauses of inadmissibility. So they're they're not by law allowed to come in. Biden has waived that. He's, he's pushed policy changes and says, in essence, like what they're telling ICE, just ignore it. Just ignore it if they take this help or that help, because we know today, on day one, they will be public charges, or you wouldn't hear Mayor Eric Adams and the mayor of Chicago and the mayor of, of Denver complaining. They realize that they are public charges on day one and for the long term. Yeah, the uh, we've got the situation in in Maine, in the state of Maine, where apartments, rent free apartments, are being set up for migrants at this point, um, and uh, it, it just it just seems like there's more and more uh, situations where we're where where people where migrants are being are being. Uh, uh, supported by the taxpayer uh, by the thousands. 
Well, by the thousands today and, and perhaps for generations to come, and we're not looking at the expenses uh, to educate folks, the health care that's necessary. And that's why these states are tanking quickly. Uh, you know, a progressive believes that these are free apartments, and they're really not free because I think you, you're you from that time and day where there is nothing free. There's it may be free yeah, to right. the migrant, but somebody is paying for it, mm-hmm. and somebody more than likely is getting disenfranchised by it. So they're probably disenfranchising their own citizens who have housing issues uh, to accommodate and make this blight go away as quickly as possible. But it's going to be an expensive endeavor, and it's going to be unsustainable unless you chip in from San Antonio and I chip in with my tax money from Eagle Pass. Other cities around the country are not going to handle this. But you're talking about small numbers. You know, New York, a little over 150,000 in, in the last year and a half or so, into a city of 8 million taxpaying residents. But they are losing their highest tax earners. So is California. So these places are are bleeding out because of their policies, some of their tax revenues. And what they're getting in return is folks who are not contributing to the tax base. And I think that's why you see them crying a foul so quick that this needs to be uh, taken over by the federal government. Not stopped, but the federal government must bail them out quickly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we keep hearing all of these cities, uh, the ma- the mayors screaming um, for more money rather than to stop uh, the uh, the invasions, to stop the people from coming across. Let me ask. Well, you my about- fear. Go ahead. I, my fear is that we're not going to see the FEMA dollars that are going to be in a, in one of these spending bills that allow us to continue the government operating, we're not going to see the amount of money that FEMA is going to give through their shelter and food programs to these cities because it's it's obscene what they have already given and what goes out every day to shelters like the one you, you go to quite often in San Antonio and the ones we have here in Eagle Pass and in other cities across the country. It's an obscene amount. And I have a feeling there'll be an additional obscene amount in there that we probably won't have highlighted for us. That is really, really true. I mean, uh, the the amount of money that is being spent, and the question again, how long does this? Uh, how long do we sustain this? Uh, the, I, I see no end to the tunnel, uh, or to uh, to this uh, uh, tunnel that uh, the Biden administration has has uh, built, unless um, there's a different administration. I just don't see any end to it. I, I don't either, but I think there there is method to the madness. I think they are looking ahead at where these liberal states are bleeding resident taxpayers. They will supplant with migrants who, once the census come, will start impacting the number of congressmen they get and move from other states because they have lost some because of that revenue exit and the people leaving. So they'll vote with their feet, even if they're not legalized in time to vote for a future election. They'll still be able to vote in determining where congressional seats get apportioned after this next census in 2030. That's very, very interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, that... um that the, it, that the that the congressional apport, uh, apportionment is based on population, not uh, on voters. That's, uh, yes, and, and state congresses in most cases or committees uh, are are bound by law to put those where the population is. So even if Texas inherits some, it's going to more than likely go around Harris County and places that are already uh, some of the most liberal parts of the state. So it, it's going to benefit the Democrats regardless of where those seats go in most cases, and it will bleed them from the Midwest where the birth rates are low. Yep, that's very, very true. Randy... As usual, you've shed more light on on uh, this crisis, and uh, I really, really appreciate it. Take care, my man. Stay stay uh, warm. And, uh, you do the same, George. Uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you once again. We've been talking with our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, from Breitbart, reporter in Eagle Pass, Del Rio. Thanks a lot, Randy. You're welcome, George. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Hugo Chavez Rey, who is, uh, he is the uh, host of Hispanic Patriot, uh, a podcast out of Denver, Colorado. And he's speaking to us from Denver. I wanted to get him on 
to chat about, um, since we're in the election year, to chat about the Hispanic vote, uh, what he sees in Denver, and uh, if there is any kind of impact going on with regards to the uh, illegal immigration issue uh, in uh, in Colorado that uh, is affecting the Denver area. Ugo, thank you very much for joining us. Welcome to the show, my man. Oh, thank you, George. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit, Ugo, about uh, your podcast. Well, our, our podcast uh, was launched last uh, July. And uh, prior to that, you know, I spent 10 years as the chairman of Colorado Hispanic Republicans and uh, retired from that uh, last uh, January. And uh, shortly thereafter, unfortunately, I underwent a quadruple bypass surgery on my heart. So it, uh, I guess it took its toll. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that will sideline you if anything will. Excellent. All right. So let me ask you, let's talk. Let me ask you real quick. Uh, first of all, um, what is the Hispanic vote uh, like in um, in Colorado? Uh, what are you know in, in this election year what uh, what uh, what do you hear as well as the uh, mayor of Denver has been very very vocal about uh, the migrants that are arriving from uh, Texas up there in buses what uh, yes. what does the uh, Hispanic community think about that well, uh, first of all, let's start with the fact that Colorado is considered and has labeled itself a sanctuary state, and Denver is a sanctuary city. So that's that's the first mistake, uh, and that's I think that has a lot to do with why Governor Abbott from Texas and Governor DeSantis from Florida has decided uh, if they want to sanctuary places let's send them some people to provide sanctuary for and then, and once that started then of course uh, all the uh, all the ire I guess you would say started coming from from the leftists who believe that uh, that uh, both those governors are, are doing a disservice to the country and, and my question to that or my retort to that would be uh, well, what is what is the open border policies and sanctuary uh, statuses do to the country? Um, so these people don't want to enforce immigration laws. And here in, in Colorado, we have a uh, a population of about 1.2 million Hispanics. About half of those are eligible uh, citizens who are eligible to vote. The other half are are either green card holders or illegal, um, and so you know there's a mixture of uh, of Hispanic immigrants here, um, and they come from all parts of the of the southern hemisphere. Uh, they're not all Mexicans like some people think. There's a lot of Central Americans, and now of course uh, the ones taking up the majority of the news are from Venezuela. And uh, here in Denver, we we had a, an influx, just an influx here over the last year. Uh, for example, you know, in the um, in fiscal year 2024, uh, we know that there's about 3.2. I'm not, I'm sorry, 23, not 24. Uh, there were more than 3.2 million migrant encounters at the U.S. borders. That number is equivalent to the total number of babies born in the country in 2022. So with over 35,000 migrant arrivals here in Denver since January of 23, Colorado basically has the highest level of migration relative the population of any state not on the southern border wow. so they've been, they've been arriving at record levels for more than 14 months and of course the city's response is you know let's provide a range of services including shelter and food coordinating with local nonprofits, etc but 
our illustrious new mayor who was elected here this last year, um, instead of wanting to, you know, address the problem with enforcement of immigration laws, and because of the sanctuary status, they won't uh, cooperate with ICE at all. So basically, you know, he's asking the people of the state and the city to foot the bill. So right now, in uh, in Denver, in 2023, the expense to the city was more than 36 million. That that amounts to about 500 dollars per household here in Denver. So you know, that's who's paying the bill. We are. Um, and instead of again wanting to enforce immigration laws, what does he do? He He's calling for Congress to act, and not act in enforcing immigration laws, but act in shelling out more federal dollars. And we all know what federal dollars are, right? Federal dollars are our money. Not there is the federal government doesn't create any money; it's our money. And so they just want to keep spending more money instead of finding a workable solution to enforce immigration laws and uh, basically, you know, send them back where they need to be. And that's their home country to apply for citizenship or uh, for apply for immigration through the proper channels. Um, the, the new trained mantra for all of these uh, so-called migrants coming across the border, they've all been taught to say, we're seeking asylum. And that is the most misused word right now on this topic. Because if anybody would take the time to look up what asylum truly means, you would find that less than 1% of all the migrants that come here from all over the world actually qualify under the legal definition of asylum. But it's the easiest thing to say because then if you're declared an asylum seeker, you're put in as basically a special category. You're not treated like everybody else. And and then you have, you know, all the the left Hmm. bleeding heart people wanting to um, to call People on the right or Republicans, whatever, uh, you know, they want to accuse us of not being compassionate. And I'm, I'm as compassionate as the next guy, but, you know, I've had some conversations with some of those people. And my first question to them is, how many are you housing in your house? <laughs> Very good question. And, and of course, well, no, that's not, that's not what the way it's supposed to be done. Oh, really? Well, what's it to be? That means you're not compassionate then, yeah. right? What happened to charity? <laughs> yeah. Are you opening up your your house to yeah. house any, any of the migrants? Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a... I mean, it's an age-old argument. Right. Let me and, let me ask you this, Ugo, and we only we only have a couple of more minutes. But let me ask okay. you this: um, Is the Hispanic community, or are there people? Because we we can't speak in absolutes of the entire Hispanic community, but are there people in the Hispanic community that uh, are not supporting this open border policy and this and this? Uh, well, a lot of people call it an invasion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially those who went through the process and came here the legal way. Uh, they are appalled at the government's uh, position. They are downright insulted that, that they would have people jump the line uh, over people who are currently in, in line, so to speak, to uh, migrate to the U.S. through legal channels. And uh, the tide is turning. I, I really believe... Uh, that that people are finally seeing. I think this is kind of a, a blessing in disguise, I guess, if you will. Uh, and people are seeing how incompetent this this government actually is, this <laughs> this administration. Yep. And and they're not going to you know stand idly by and be and be forced to to pay higher taxes and and uh, 
inconvenience them, themselves and their families. So, let me, so again, yeah. Let, 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 let me let me conclude. Let me. Let, we're going to need to conclude. But tell the folks where they can follow you again. Tell the folks where they can follow. Uh, okay, Ugo the easiest right. way. Yeah, the easiest way to follow us is going to our website, which is www.hispanicpatriot.com. And then from there, you can link to our YouTube and uh, X channels and uh, and look at prior episodes, uh, you know, engage in some of the upcoming episodes and just give us feedback. That's what we want. We want people to interact with us and tell us what they're thinking so that we can try to, you know, uh, try to promote what we're hearing from the people. I mean, I don't want I'm not. I'm not the voice for everybody. I understand that. I know there's differences of opinion, but I think we have to have a conversation about the hard, you know, issues. And this is one of them. And now, as you probably saw last night from the results in Iowa, immigration was the number one topic. <laughs> and, and, it, and immigration hasn't been the number one topic topic for two or three cycles now. So, uh, but this has now come to the forefront. People are seeing it on the news every day, and uh, they're fed up. Yep. And that includes Hispanics and black community and everybody. They're just downright fed up with this government and what they're doing. This is an invasion, like you said earlier. Yep. Is, Thank you very so, much. That, uh, I, I hate to cut you off, Hugo, but... Uh, Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend Hugo Chavez Rey out of uh, Denver, Colorado. Uh, he is uh, the uh, host of Hispanic Patriot, uh, a podcast out of Denver. Hugo, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. I'm going to get you back on as we uh, as this election season continues, so that you can uh, give us update of what is uh, going on in Colorado. That's great. Thank you, George. Have a good day. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Once again, my friends, thank you for listening in today to our show. I want to thank our guests, Mr. Mark Morgan, uh, Mr. Chris Hayek, Mr. Uh, Randy Clark and Hugo Chavez Rey for joining us today and sharing their information, sharing their thoughts with us. Uh, I also want to very specially thank uh, our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform out of Washington, D.C., for uh, paying the bill and for, for supporting us, my friends. We want to be sure that if you want to know anything about um, immigration, immigration and the border uh, crisis, you can go to fairus.org. Fairus.org. So, thank you for joining us. Uh, joining us. Join us again next week, same time, same station, my friends, when we will give you an update of what is happening at the border as well as in Washington, D.C., regarding this very important issue, my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Till next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.